Welcome to the Olefins Weekly Wrap-Up. Today is Friday, November 17, and I'm your host, Luca Powell. And I am Pablo Giorgi. And together, as Chemical Market Analytics, we recap the top events moving the ethylene and propylene markets over the past week. The design of this podcast is to complement the content from the North America Light Olefins Weekly Service, otherwise known as Vanilla Weekly. We have a new voice on the podcast this week. Welcome, Joel Morales, our polypropylene guru and vice president of Global Plastics and Polymers. Thank you for having me, Pablo. It's been a while, actually, since I've been on the podcast. I didn't know if I had done something wrong the last time, but I am very glad to to be here today. (laughs) And welcome back to Pablo as well. So both of you were at APLA last week. How was it? Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be back. It was great having all the fo- talking to all the folks from the chemical industry. There's so much to discuss. Absolutely. Brazil was uh, was excellent. I will say Sao Paulo's traffic is pretty impressive as far as uh, how long it takes to travel short distances. But the food, the people, always great to see our colleagues in industry and can't wait to, to go back. Sounds incredible, and I have a lot of questions. So maybe we should dedicate this podcast to an APLA wrap-up. It's been a pretty turbulent year for the industry, especially given the geopolitical premiums and economic headwinds that we're seeing. What was the general outlook at APLA? So I'll start maybe real quick and, and just say that I think folks were aligned with the view that we've been given the industry for quite some time now and it's a it's a sobering view it's one of significant oversupply in polymers and in terms of south america i think they realize that they're going to have to focus on their domestic markets and defend themselves against some very challenging global conditions where they'll probably see more imports of polyethylene from the us and more imports of polypropylene from uh, asia but overall, I think the atmosphere was was positive and they're looking at how they can best attack the trough of the market. So despite the conditions being challenging, I think people were pretty enthusiastic. Yeah, and I would add that Latin America um, has a lot of potential. There's lots of opportunities as well, um, especially in the long term after we go through this trough um, and and you know, balance the global market's um, current oversupply. And the challenge is always to uh, understand and, and and plan for how to capture those opportunities. And so, you know, the folks were looking at how to survive in these next uh, few years, like Joel said, uh, and, and, you know, how to try to uh, leverage uh, feedstock and, and other opportunities um, in Latin America after after we go through this trough. Maybe we could dive a little bit deeper into olefins and polyolefins. So, Pablo, what's the ethylene outlook looking like? Yeah, ethylene um, has a grim outlook, I would say, for the next few years. We've been having a lot of uh, capacity overbuild. Um, just this year, we had a lot uh, around 10 million metric uh, tons of global capacity starting up, while the demand um, growth is expected to be 
between two and three million metric tons. And so big oversupply, operating rates um, decreasing globally. Uh, the, the, the good news or, or um, the positive is that we are probably uh, leaving the bottom uh, of, of the cycle in terms of operating rates for ethylene. Uh, we expect 2023 to be that bottom at around 80% globally and then start increasing um, next year onwards uh, as we have more demand growth than, than capacity growth. Now, there's a big question mark on new projects in China and how will they um, follow through or not with them. Um, so that's where the market is, is kind of has their eyes on and we have our eyes on to see if, if some of the new announcements in China are built or not. But I think moving forward, the situation is going to improve. The, the, the flip side is that it's going to improve, it's going to improve slowly because the, the size of the overbuild is enormous and, and probably we're going to have not only, you know, increasing demand to balance the market, but also some rationalization as uh, the low margins persist for a few years and not all uh, market participants are going to be able to go through it. And, you know, going back to Joel's point, I think next few years are going to be, um, you know, companies are going to be in survival mode to go through this trough. So it seems like there is some light at the end of the tunnel for ethylene, but what about propylene? Well, propylene is a very similar story in terms of oversupply. The main difference is that the overbuild has not stopped, has not is not finished yet. So we are we have even more capacity being um, started up this year and next year, around 11, a little bit more than 11 million metric tons this year and a little bit less than 10 million metric tons this year, next year, sorry, in 2024. Um, in both cases, it's more, way more than capacity that demand increase. Demand increase this year is forecast to be around 2 million metric tons. Uh, last year, demand actually didn't increase at all. Um, for next year, we have a more normal year in terms of growth. Uh, it seems a lot compared to this year and last year, but really it's it's more of a normal um, average average year with around four to five million metric tons of, of uh, demand growth. But again, um, capacity is going to grow more. So we're going to continue to reduce operating rates. So the, the bottom, uh, we have not reached the bottom globally on, on propylene. Um, in, and in the case of propylene, there's an interesting dynamics, which is most of this new capacity is uh, in Asia, North, Northeast Asia, and specifically in China. And most of this is on purpose and on purpose, uh, especially PDHs, propane dehydrogenation units. And so we're starting to see a dynamics of uh, propylene very linked to what happened in the propane markets and vice versa, depending on which one is more oversupplied or in the future uh, tighter market, um, you know, it's going to it's going to be very those markets are going to be very connected so to put things into perspective. Propylene uh, is adding a little bit more than 11 million metric tons this year of capacity in a market that globally is around 120 million metric tons per year. And 
ethylene is adding less, around 10 million metric tons this year of new capacity starting up in a market that is 180 uh, million metric tons per year. And so propylene is not only adding more capacity, it's adding more capacity in a market that is significantly smaller. Um, therefore, you know, that gives you an idea of just how oversupplied that market is going to be um, in comparison with ethylene. So we expect things to get better in the next few years in ethylene slowly, uh, and it's going to take a few years, but but surely improving versus in propylene, uh, we're still going to see, um, see a, a very um, grim, a very uh, bad situation for the industry in terms of margins uh, in this coming year until things start uh, improving in, in the following years. And what about polyolefins? Joel, could you maybe speak about that a little bit? Sure. So polyolefins are, again, it's a, it's a challenging forecast for sellers. It's a period of time in which margins are going to approach cyclical lows. We'll see local producers focus on selling into their local markets where in the case of brazil and argentina they do have tariffs on imports which essentially guarantees a return on your on your domestic sales for the local producers the big news in the industry was right before we went down there adnoc the state oil company out of the united arab emirates announced that they were modifying their bid for brazcab and so we don't want to spend too much time speculating on the likelihood. There's been a lot of suitors to try to buy Brazcam over the last, oh gosh, it's been a long time, many years. And it's for one of the shareholders, which formerly Oberdash, now Novanor. So it's specifically for that share. There's a lot of feeling in the, in the country talking to the local businesses that this finally may actually be an offer that is, is accepted. So a lot of talk about that and what it would do for Brazcam. I'd imagine the, the injection of that company's influence and pocketbooks would probably be a good thing for the company. I don't think it fixes all the competitive issues that the plants of Brasschem have in North America, specifically to polypropylene, and Europe, specifically to polypropylene. But that was pretty pretty exciting. I'd say overall the industry growth there uh, somewhat limited. I think in the next ten years for polyethylene. We have calculated, calculated average annual growth rates of around 2.4% and 2% for polypropylene. So the growth is not uh, somewhere like in India or like what we've seen in China, but the, their population is growing. So over time, there will be more consumption. I think uh, producers are really going to try to be innovative and focus on trying to minimize the imports into their regions and focus on their domestic markets. And I guess to delve a little bit deeper into some of that, what opportunities and perspectives are we seeing for Latin America specifically, Pablo? Yeah, okay, let me start. Um, and I think from, from an olefins and, and feedstocks perspective, we really need to look um, upstream into into the the feedstocks for the petrochemical industry um, coming from from the oil and gas and refining uh, industries and there's a lot of potential in Latin America. We have uh, huge investments actually already going on and and production increasing 
in Vaca Muerta in Argentina, um, shale formations and in pre-salt uh, offshore crude production in, in Brazil. And, you know, just this year, I think Brazil has increased 500,000 barrels a day of crude oil production, mostly from offshore uh, pre-salt uh, fields. And that has a huge potential of um, allowing petrochemical industry investments using some some of those uh, some of the products that come out of come out of the ground or or, or the bottom of the ocean, um, specifically in the case of associated gas on those uh, two countries and and those formations. Uh, that's that's gas that's rich in ethane, and there is um, talks of both potential investments, but also in Argentina there's talks about a, an ethane exported terminal in, in Bahia Blanca. Um, and, and that could be actually a good opportunity to, well, instead of, of building the ethane export terminal, because it's so expensive to ship um, ethane anywhere in the world, um, process it into ethylene, polyethylene. And well, if, if it needs to be exported, then export it. It's much cheaper to do that than exporting ethane. That's the model that the US has used um, to make use of, of uh, the shale in the Permian and, and other um, regions, you know, West Texas, New Mexico, and all the crude production associated gas ethane, and we have been exporting a lot of polyethylene. And so there's a lot of uh, opportunity to do the same in Latin America as they have all this um, feedstock availability um, associated with those, particularly with those two um oil and gas uh, uh, producing regions. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in, in the next um, years to, or you know, in years to come in Latin America. In terms of South America, again, I'm not as bullish for the producers of polyolefins only because the local growth, which I think will be their primary focus, is not uh, again like somewhere like India where we're growing upper single digits. Population is growing, so there will be plastic consumption. The region has already been dealing with some plastic bans, and the sustainability push is also an issue for consumption. It's not to the level that we've seen in Europe, but there is a drive to minimize, and we should have have a probably globally a common sense of minimizing consumption in general. But the industry is going to have to really tighten its belts, look to optimize efficiencies where they can, product mix, all the things that you do when you are dealing with the bottom of, of a cycle. So there are tariffs in place to protect margins. The ad hoc announcement's pretty, pretty exciting. But uh, producers know that the next few years will be some of the most challenging years that uh, that that, they've, that this industry has seen in quite some time, and for sure, probably since the last Great Recession of the end of 2008. So I, I think people are looking for opportunities, looking for changes in the forecast. But the takeaway is we need to be smart about our business because there's some tough times ahead. Well, I'll be sure to attend APLA next year. And with that, let's wrap up the wrap up. 
Join us at the upcoming Global Plastics Summit on February 27th through 29th in Houston. Registration has opened, so don't miss out. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. If you have any questions or if you'd like us to cover something more specific, you can send us an email. Until next time.